0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to May, this beautiful day that we have today. Welcome to May with hopefully more businesses opening this month, hopefully a further slowing down of this coronavirus this month. Welcome to May with this beautiful spring, with newness that's happening around us. And we gather here today again now to hear another message from God's word. Uh, This is another uh, privilege that we have from knowing God. We find ourselves today in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 3. 1 Peter 1 3. Peter said, Let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he gave us new life by raising Jesus Christ from death. This fills us with a living hope. We are now. Children of God. That is the privilege that we talk about today of being Christians. We are children of God. Now, when we talk about membership in an organization, we talk about the privileges that that membership brings us. If I'm a member of a golf club, I might have the privilege of using the course when non-members could not. If I were a member of a book club, I would have access to my favorite books that are oftentimes less expensive than in bookstores. Being a member of something brings us privileges. And God has allowed each of us, and in fact every person, to be members of his family. This membership brings privileges that far outweigh those of any earthly organization. Membership in the family of God, and that's what we have. If you're listening to this now as a believer, as an in Christ child of God, you are a member of the family of God. And this is the only membership that brings eternal life in heaven. Membership in the family of God is also the only membership that leads to the full indwelling of the Holy Spirit with all of his power, purpose, and provisions. So let's take a look at the privileges that we have by joining the family of God. My first point today is that membership in God's family is due to God's love for us. What can we say to God to adequately express our gratitude for all that he does for us? How could we possibly find the words or the actions to show God the great appreciation we have for his love for us? You say we started out this life as outsiders looking in. Sin caused a spiritual separation between us and God. And it's only a matter of time before we begin to realize this separation, especially when we observe the lives of dedicated believers around us. Before we came to Christ now, we see, perhaps you did. I know I did. I saw the lives of believers before I came to Christ. They had joy. They had peace. And they didn't have that before they came to Christ. Christians also have hope in the fact that this life is not all there is, but that a most rewarding and wonderful life follows this one for eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes life can seem fatalistic at times due to the trials and the tribulations it brings. And it's easy to view this life with confusion and the next life with great uncertainty. Our lesson today states that God deserves our praises and our thanksgiving. He's the God of love, according to Scripture. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, Romans 5, 5, it states that this hope does not disappoint us, for God has poured out his love into our hearts By means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. The Holy Spirit, God Almighty, the third person of the Godhead, is the Father's gift to us, that we can know that this life we live in Christ is real and blessed today, and that heaven is ours tomorrow. Now, the word for pours literally means gushing out. So this is the love of God gushing out of heaven into our hearts. Romans chapter 8 and verse 39 states that the love of God cannot be taken away from his children by any force, physical or spiritual. Jude chapter 1 and verse 21 states that the only safe place for a child of God is in his love. God's love is what started the process of salvation and what secured eternal life for us. Now, one major difference between God and us is that he went to the greatest length to fix our greatest need. He didn't ignore our need for salvation. So what is the depth of God's love? In Romans chapter 8, in verse 32, we read, "...certainly not God, who did not keep his own Son back, but offered him for us all. He gave us his Son. Will he not also freely give us all things?" Jesus is to be praised and honored from the depths of our hearts for his willingness to give up his life for our sins. God is the Father. He is to be praised and honored from the depths of our hearts for his willingness to give up his Son for our sins. This brings us to our second point. Membership in God's family is not earned, it's freely offered. Peter went on to say in our lesson today that the ability that we now have to become a child of God is due to God's great mercy. So how is mercy different from grace? And and you all know the answer to this now. Grace is giving something that we don't deserve. Mercy is taking away something that we do deserve. So grace is offering salvation to a sinful, unworthy people like you and me. Mercy is Jesus dying on the cross in our place taking on our sin and suffering the punishment of our sin to set us free. There is a result to receiving the free gift of salvation according to our lesson today 1 Peter 1:3. We become born again. Now this verb only occurs in this verse and in 1 Peter 1 and verse 23. It means that we've been renewed spiritually. We've been made alive and reconnected to God. Do you remember Nicodemus, the Pharisee? He approached Jesus under the cover of darkness one night. This is John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And he acknowledged that Jesus was from God. Jesus replied in verse 3 by stating that unless one was born again, that's two separate words in the Greek, one cannot get into heaven. So we, like Nicodemus, may not always understand what Jesus meant by this. This is not a physical transformation. It's not a physical action. It's a spiritual one. Our first birth brought us into a sin nature. It's carnal. It's corrupted in our hearts. This rebirth is one that is provided by the Holy Spirit when we call on the name of Jesus who reveals God to us and helps us to know him. This is a spiritual transformation that changes our very nature and activates the faith that God gives us when we come to Christ. And this faith leads to eternal life, because now we're part of God's family, legally adopted by him according to Galatians chapter 4. Since we're made children of God, we also now share in the inheritance that God has for his children. In Hebrews 9 and verse 16, we see this. Paul said, Like a will that takes effect when someone dies, the new covenant was put into action at Jesus' death, this new relationship we have with God. His death marked the transition from the old plan to the new one, canceling the old obligations and accompanying sins, and summoning the heirs, that's you and me, to receive the eternal inheritance that was promised to them. He brought together God and his people in this new way. This inheritance is the same as what Jesus has. It's eternal life in heaven. And this is the God that we serve, the God who would go to such lengths to provide for us the greatest of all inheritances. Again, it's eternal life with him in heaven. This is all because of his mercy for us, his removing what we were all guilty of, which is sin, so that we could be set free. My final point for you today is the blessings of membership in God's family. God doesn't call us to be visitors in a church for a long time. We've talked about being participators the last couple of weeks now. He doesn't call us to be acquaintances of his children. He calls us to become his children and a fully participating member in the household of God. Within the church, which is God's family, there are many blessings that exist that cannot be replicated by a sinful world. Nowhere else can one receive the presence and power of God but within his family. Nowhere else can one receive the abilities of heaven, these are spiritual gifts, but by becoming a child of God. Now, if you want to read up on these spiritual gifts, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's within the family of God that his love shines forth, that hearts are made whole, that burdens are shared so they can be manageable that relationships are built. Let's conclude. The family of God should always be the place where reputations are protected, where gossip is the enemy, where trust is always present, where love covers a multitude of sins, where forgiveness abounds, mercy is practiced, and where grace is expected. Being a child of God is a privilege that is available to all who call on the name of Jesus. And notice also the last part of our lesson today. Those who are part of the family of God, that's you and me, have something that the world cannot give. We have a living hope. This hope for today and for our eternal future is living because it's based on the risen Christ who reigns with power in heaven. This hope signifies our spiritual union with Jesus and the blessings and life that this union produces. And this hope can only be found in the one who secured our places in the family of God. This is good news for you, my friends, and for me, those of us who call Jesus our Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the love that you give us. We thank you for grace and for mercy, things we don't deserve. And yet, Lord, because of your great love, you give us both. We thank you, Lord, that we can call you our Father because of the work that you did on that cross, because of the glorious resurrection. Lord, we thank you for the newness of spring. We thank you for your protection upon us during this unprecedented time with this virus. We ask, Lord, for a healing for those who have it and protection for those who don't. And Lord, we give you this time with our blessing to you in your holy name, amen. Take care, my friends, until next time.